Hey everybody, this is Felipe Villalcazar from Death by Metal, and you are listening to the Middle-Aged Metalheads Podcast. It could have happened to anybody, but it didn't. It happened to us. A new band is going to be something nobody's ever seen before. Oh my God, those are my pants. What? It's a, it's a Saturday night, and if you're up at this hour, you're listening to middle-aged metalheads, you're probably a middle-aged metalhead. I'm Jeff Giordano, and I'm pleased to be uh, uh, here on middle-aged metalheads with uh, this fine crew of uh, late-nighters here. And uh, there's a lot of good topics tonight, I imagine. We just talked about Ingve and his guitar-smashing, non-smashing career, so. <laughs> Tonight's topic is heavy metal hard rock biopics. And I think uh, everybody was eager to, you know, discuss a little bit about, uh, you know, the Motley Crue Netflix uh, opus called The Dirt, based on their... Uh, much earlier, I think 2001, kind of collaborative biography of the band with, with the same name called The Dirt. Um, so obviously it's a project that's been a long time uh, coming, uh, you know, a good 18 so or years later, um, and, and, and now we have it. So uh, again, it, because it's on Netflix, it makes it such a, a much more accessible sort of film for people to you know, to, to check out where some people might not have seen if, if they were under a rock, might not have seen Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> or, or, or other films from this year. But uh, so we just, we'll start with John. What, what were some of your like early impressions or, or thoughts there about the dirt? Well, you know, I think overall, I really liked it. Um, the dirt has been in a struggle to be made for about a decade. I did a video quite a long time ago with a, a company called 10th Street Management. And at the time they had optioned The Dirt to make a movie out of it. And the director and I were so jealous that that we could not be involved in that. And uh, it, it took a bunch of twists and turns. I remember uh, David Fincher was attached to The Dirt at one point and wow. he left and a few other directors came in and out and they left and uh, and now, now finally Jeff Tremaine has made it. And uh, Jeff Tremaine in, in the past has directed uh, the Jackass movies and Bad Grandpa. So he, he has some experience with, uh, with lunatics. Uh, <laughs> Clearly, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I, I think uh, overall, I think he did a good job. You know, I, if anything, I lament, um, if you're familiar with the book, uh, the dirt is told chapter by chapter by each member of Motley Crue, uh, oftentimes speaking about the same incident. So Tommy will write a chapter about a party and Nikki will follow it with a chapter about the same party, but completely different stories, even different accounts of the same incident. And uh, sometimes they agree, sometimes they don't. And that was a really entertaining uh, facet of the book that they didn't explore so much in the movies badly. Um, but I think they did a good job. You know, I, I have to say, I think the cast is excellent. Um, mm -hmm. Even though I, I think the one guy who doesn't quite look the part is the guy who plays Vince Neil. Um, but 
his mannerisms are exactly Vince Neil, especially for that time. Um, I, his looks a little off, but but I, I think the the MVP of the show is Machine Gun Kelly as Tommy Lee, because that dude becomes Tommy. Yeah, yeah it's it, um, it, it, it's an interesting story. I, I mean, out of the gate, and I, you know, I won't say I'm any kind of prude, but I was really surprised how graphic it, it was, kind of from the very like first couple it, of minutes. It starts quick. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah there's, 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 within five minutes, there's the whole sort of uh, what, what do you what do you, what do you, what do you call that? Uh, there's a word for that. There's a word for that. Um, uh, yeah, what's it called? I yeah, I was surprised they jumped in with so many boots on the ground at once. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I think it was enjoyable. I think that the um, it was maybe a little a little slanted. Right, a little slanted against Vince, I think. And while that may be reality, you know, it, it is a it is a movie. It, David, it, it is a movie. Uh, yeah, there is yeah, there's an opening sort of like squirting scene that happens. Like, oh, back to just that. in the apartment. You know, it's just kind of like yeah, that's just kind of like you know, like that's like a party trick. Like every, right. everyone's so, seen that right. before. Ejaculation <laughs> aside, talking about Vince Neil. <laughs> Uh, but uh again because i think you know you know and and colin who's not with us uh, right now uh would agree that you know motley crew kind of fashioned themselves as characters you know that they were definitely musicians but uh when you saw them in the videos you saw the way that they presented themselves on stage or or in like photo shoots and magazines and stuff they had like a, a, a like a deep sense of like character, and definitely a lot of it was their their personality, and definitely it was part of their whole sort of hedonistic sort of lifestyle that was you know kind of like the basis of their allure. It was it was kind of like they were like a, a like a mad, bad, dangerous band, and uh, you know critics early on, you know circa you know you know shout at the devil were saying. This is a band that's not going to make 10 albums. They are going to like crash and burn. And I, I, what, what I certainly appreciate about following Motley Crue's career and uh, you know going to their shows and listening to their albums um, and all that was that it was definitely sort of unscripted in, in a way that was, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was filled with a whole lot of like bad news, like the things that, you know, um, you know, you wouldn't expect from like most sort of like, you know, business style button down bands who just wanted to like make records, tour and make money. Um, they were, you know, as far as like the whole sleaze rock movement uh, that kind of came out of the, the L.A. Uh, scene, they were head and shoulders above the rest of like de- defying the odds. uh killing people killing themselves losing children all which is documented in the film with differing levels of pathos beating up wives or you know uh you know abusing uh, you know their their uh, their lovers and, and whatnot and and the film maybe doesn't darken as much as maybe a, a <laughs> if fincher had done it uh kind of way but uh it, 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 like watching them over the course 
course of 15 years or so from, you know, uh, Too Fast for Love. It was like a hell of a ride, a hell of a ride. Yeah. All right, anybody want to finally chime in now that Mike's done? At least oh, I think he's done. Carrie uh, just woke up from a nap, I think. <clears throat> no, I've been gouging my eyes out listening to you for the past 20 minutes. Well, this, is a, this is an audible medium, so you're going to have to gouge your eyes out a little louder. Yeah, <laughs> Carrie, what was your take on it? You saw it, yeah? I, I got to be honest, I didn't watch it. I am not a Motley Crue fan. So what did you think? <laughs> so, so what I think is two that, thumbs down. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know what? I got to say, along the lines of Kerry saying he's not a Motley Crue fan, I would say outside of Shout at the Devil, Motley Crue's records are not that good. They, uh, they the, the, theater of Pain is is a absolute mess. Uh, there's some they, good they tracks. Stopped. On uh, Dr. Feelgood. The first album was great. I thought Too Fast for Love was a great album. Yeah. And Out of the Devil. But then after that, forget I, I always felt like they had a handful of good songs. They have like two good songs per album, and the rest is filler after Shout at the Devil. And you're right. being generous with two good yeah, songs. Yeah, maybe so. I, I you know, I, I think I think I like the persona and and the era of Motley Crue more than I like the band Motley Crue. Yeah, I mean, I think that you pick up you pick up any record after Shout at the Devil, at least for me, and any of those tunes that pop up, I'll listen to out of nostalgia, not because I like them. Hmm. Yeah, well, and I think that's that's the trap we all fall into. Jeff, now you you, you saw the film. What uh, I'm like, Carrie, what, what 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 did you think of it? Like first blush, or I, I actually didn't. And I'm kind of scared to. I think I'm gonna go watch the Sound of Music and be. Uh, <laughs> Well, you know what happened to the Von Trapp family. Uh, yeah, I, you it's know, just like that, except with Corvettes and heroin. <laughs> no. well, you know, you know, I, I cannot say that I'm completely familiar with every aspect of the Motley catalog. I remember hearing "Shout at the Devil" like everyone else, and when I joined a band, uh, you know, bandmate introduced me to the. The back catalog was only really one album, you know, uh, Livewire and stuff like that. So, uh, and, and and I've heard pieces about the Dirt, the book. Um, you know, it's pretty. You know, it's it's earthy. It's earthy stuff. Um, you know, it, it really kind of brings up something that uh, has kind of lately I've been coming across looking at some newer bands and last time we talked about newer bands and and really there's this whole kind of idea that even these old metal bands are not metal bands anymore and and uh you know the lifestyle and you know we talk you know, talk about nostalgia um you know is this is this uh i wonder i wonder what we're gleaning from the movie. I wonder why, you know, you talk about how long it took to make the movie. Um, I wonder what kind of traffic, what kind of audience, I mean, what is, uh, what are, what are people kind of gaining from this movie now? And, uh, what did you mean by metal bands aren't metal anymore? There's this kind of argument, this kind of commentary that goes around saying that, you know, have, 
metal bands today are are true metal bands, and there's a cutoff point. Well, oh, you mean like the bands that are coming out in modern times that they call themselves metal? Well, like say after 1990, anything before 1990 really isn't metal anymore. It's it's kind of before uh, 90. What? Yeah. Yeah, that's the same thing. Well, because bands are so much heavier now. Now, usually these guys get, you know, they get, well, I mean, they, they get <laughs> this. I'm not saying it's a popular opinion. I'm just saying it's, you know, thinking back on the dirt and the lifestyle and the strip and, you know, the rain right. and all those great stories and all this, this, the dirt, uh, you know, is it even metal anymore? Is kind of the thing. I just wonder if, if, you know, we look at it again as a nostalgic kind of a thing. I wonder what uh, if anyone, if these younger kids are looking at it. Uh, actually, there's this, there's this website. Uh, there's a channel, YouTube channel called um, uh, Kids React to, and I saw Tommy Lee reacting to kids reacting to Motley Crue videos. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know this whole circular thing. I realize I'm on a bit of a tangent here, but um, you know. Water. It's a, Carrie's gouging his eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> not, 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 not Jeff, not with you. Never with you, Jeff. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it took this long to make the dirt because the dirt was a risk. Um, it, it took it took a long time, and, and studios have gotten gun-shy. There is only so much money to go around for a feature film these days, and... If it's not a superhero film or it's not an action film with, with, <laughs> with a, a major star, it's tough to get funding for it. But now in the wild west of Amazon Prime and Netflix and Hulu and whatever, now Disney Plus, now there's a lot of money floating around. And so passion projects, quote unquote, like yeah. The Dirt, now have not only the funding to make something like that, now they have a, an audience that's ready for it. They don't care if 15-year-olds watch The Dirt because they can go watch Sabrina. Like, that's a good show. For, it's a great show. And, but The Dirt <laughs> is for us. And yeah. as long as Netflix looks at it and goes, you know what? In that week, we had 2 million people watch The Dirt. No movie outside of maybe the Avengers or Star Wars is going to have 2 million people go see it while it's in the theater. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Netflix is, is playing the long game of keep those subscribers, keep fresh new content out there. And lucky for us, they took, they took a roll of the dice on the dirt and it paid off. I mean, yeah. it, you know, the a studio spent the money to, to take the chance on Bohemian Rhapsody and, I think that there was less of a risk there because Queen has a longer, more broad fan base and, and it's worldwide as well. But look at that movie in comparison. Like, yes, it got nominated for Best Picture, but Bohemian Rhapsody is not a very good movie. Like, I it was it's, it's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really, as I really it was it's a really vanilla take on a guy who is 100% not vanilla. Like, Right, right. And uh, you know what I mean? If you want a Disneyfied version of Freddie Mercury, hey, come on by. Bohemian Rhapsody is your spot. Whereas at least, hey, at least, you know, yeah, like David's saying, like, you know, starting out with a bang on the dirt, at least the dirt feels like Motley Crue. Like it's it's got it's got 
Nikki giving into heroin. It's got Vince killing Razzle. It doesn't gloss over the 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 rough parts of their career. Like at least it may not be completely true to what it what it is, and it could go further. But at least it put its like toe in the pool to right. test the water of that area. Whereas I feel like Bohemian Rhapsody just didn't at all. Instead, it was Freddie. Uh, just buying the house next door so he could watch his wife go to bed and then, uh, you know, hit on, bad, hit, right? hit on waiters. Like, I, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I think, yeah. I think, uh, I think Bohemian Rhapsody was a missed opportunity. Um, no, from I, what I, I hear, there's an Elton John movie, uh, yeah, that they yeah, just showed a bunch of footage of in Vegas, um, that's supposed to be quite good. Yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 think that, I think that one of the things that, that I, then I'm going to say I thought it was not well done in in uh, in the dirt. Is I really think they in the I don't know if it's in the efforts to show this raw nature of what they were doing. I really felt like they glamorized a lot of really bad behavior. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, I don't disagree. Mean, including like the car crash, I thought it was very glamorized. Yeah, and and, and, that's, and that's like a that's very like a glamorized segment. And Vince yeah. killed someone. Like, exactly. Like, it, it's yeah. Well, yeah, but it, 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 it doesn't show like the other people who were affected by that by that crash either. It just shows yeah. Razzle, and it's sort of like dream sequence, which is kind of super rendered weird. humorous in a way. It does. And, 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 and again, I think that's, you know, the, the, the tone of the movie, the, the overall sort of tone is like it wants to like make it seem like, yeah, we did some crazy shit, but ultimately it's all right because we're your heroes. You, you like us. And, yeah. I, I, and yeah. I think that's the same sort of thing with uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody film. It's like we want to end up like liking all the members of the band. We want we want to appreciate their music, um, but also not judge them too harshly for like the things that they did, or or or, or again like a, a much more graphic representation of their lifestyles, which would like upset actual viewers. Yeah, I like um, I, I hate to I hate to break it to these guys. They're not the heroes of this story. Like they're the jerks of this story. Like I'm right. not. Like if if I were to go on and like I was never some famous rock star, um, I was in a gig and band, and some of the things that we did were super cool, and some of the things we did were super stupid, and the stupid things, I'm not the hero of that story, and and that's the stuff that like as a, as a viewer, as a you know a citizen, a dad, a teacher, all these things. It's like not to sound like a complete idiot, but it's like there's nothing cool about Vince killing a guy, but the movie kind of presents it that way. Um, and the, yeah. the same thing with the heroin overdose, like you go through all this mess and you make it so kind of kind of vivid, you know, like the the distortion, the scent, the perception, you know, the perceptual distortion and things like that. And then you got them like shocking to life in the ambulance, like out of Pulp Fiction. I'm like, meh. I think yeah, no, yeah, or, or the, or the, 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 the ambulance attendee who was there is like, he's not dying on me. It, it turns into like something out of like an action adventure film where it's like, oh, this is going to end humorously and 
it, it's all going to be fine. And, and I think, again, that has to do with the, the overall tone of the film, where there's, there's so much depravity, and even the depravity is not, you know, demonstrated in a way where it's like, next documentary, please. Where, where you where you see people even like in, in, in that particular scene where I, I, I think everybody wanted to see how this scene was actually how, how it ever happened where Ozzy was snorting Anus. ants through a straw and then I would have done the exact same thing and 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 that then actually part of the movie. <laughs> And then, and then, and then, you know, he, he urinates, and again, it's like it's all done in like broad daylight, which just it, it, it okay. Well, that's what rock stars do. But it, it it made it seem like even more sort of outrageous, if not unbelievable, that you know, Ozzy just wakes up and starts <laughs> starts peeing on the side of the pool, and then flops down into his own urine pool and starts lapping it up, and then. When Nikki tries to like one up him, he flops down into Nikki's pool of urine and laps that up. And it's like, all right, okay, yeah, I, I that's that is that how it happened? I guess that's that's how that goes. That's that's fine. That's fine. Um, and before we can tell that story that way if it didn't happen. You know, oh no, no! I, 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 I imagine. I, 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 I don't doubt that it happened. It's just that the the way it was presented was sort of like the whole sort of like, hey, this is. We woke up one morning. We're out at the pool, and this is what we decided to do. It's just like <laughs> I could, you know, maybe if it happened like at uh, four o'clock in the morning in Donegal, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> But before we, we grant Carrie clemency and move on to the next uh, film, I will say uh, I like what they did with Mick Mars. I, I think Mick has the best lines in the movie, and I'm not sure I've ever heard Mick speak uh, <laughs> I, I, in, in 40 years of knowing Motley Crue. Um, I, I thought they did a good thing with Mick because uh, you know, he he was in with three very loud personalities in that band and uh, and was older and had a lot of health issues and off to the side. But uh, they do him right in the movie, I think. Did they show this film when uh, Mick and I don't know if it was Tommy or I know it wasn't Vince, but what's the other guy? We got yeah. Mick, you got Tommy, you got Mickey. Uh, Oh yeah, it might have been uh, Mick and Nikki when they refused to take a, a bath for like months. Didn't make it to no, the. I don't think. I don't, they didn't I, see that in the film. I don't think they dramatized no. that particular moment. I think that's just kind of like a given. They, yeah. there, 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 was, <laughs> there, there, there were a lot. There were again. If if you read the book and you, you were trying to think like, and again, I, I think it all goes to like, what what is the tone of it going to be? Um, there's there should have just you have to leave wow, out. It actually goes up. Okay, um, go that far. And no, I guess not. <laughs> what are you doing, bro? I'm watching but, myself. Uh, uh, yeah, re reading the book is like it, it's definitely a, a page turner. Yeah, and it's uh, and it and it's really gritty. But I, again, to go to John's point, where you know you have this this cap this point counterpoint counterpoint sort of like. Uh, you know, uh, narrative where 
the, the members of the band will like gain say one another like one person will say this is what happened and the other person will say like this is not what happened at all this person was stoned out of their mind and the other person will say like it's kind of a little bit of both which makes it like really kind of fun. yeah i'm looking at uh i'm looking at the like the behind the music series uh. it went a lot later than i thought it did but yeah. there's a good bit of metal in here i mean judas priest metallica yeah. megadeth uh, i think i think they brought back behind the music there was an initial run and Real. then and then they relaunched it later on yeah they got yeah. choir riots in there they're mm, poison yeah. Some of these would be worth seeing. Yeah, I mean, I wish I wish they were easier to find. They're uh, right. They're tough to track down. Some of them. Um, MTV and YouTube don't have an amazing relationship when it comes <laughs> to. <laughs> That's right. Neither uh, do I. Po posting, yeah, Viacom uh, properties on YouTube doesn't doesn't last too long for some stuff, mm -hmm. um, especially music because it gets kicked back right. um but, but what, what other documentaries had you had you thrown in the chat mike like no i, I think we were, we were going to talk a little bit about the anvil the story of anvil yeah, yeah. Uh, Good with, uh, again, it's because um because it emerged as like a really sort of like interesting film regardless of its genre and again i think despite the fact that um they, they had just like completely fallen off the map in in a, in a lot of ways but uh it was it, it, watching it was like a it was a very endearing sort of depiction of like these these two these two fellows lips Ludlow and uh, and rob reiner um you know the the the, the singer guitarist and the drummer of this canadian band um who you know by all accounts were like really you know ahead of the curve very influential and then just kind of like just fell off the map and that uh you know the, the film tries to chronicle like what they have been doing since then and definitely chronicles their their attempts at a at something of a comeback 20 years uh afterwards so I don't know, Jeff. Did, had, had you seen the the Anvil film? I saw that. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of that. A lot of those types of films, uh, you know, they they kind of come off as more about the filmmaker than the band or the the subject matter. I mean, it's it's. I'm looking for a story to tell in that way that we tell it. Uh, it's great that you know these guys. Obviously, their friendship comes through regardless of the 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 trappings and the the kind of the uh, the form of the this current music documentary form. Um, and they're they're in a club in Czechoslovakia or something. They're not going to get paid or something like that. I mean, it's, yeah. it was a really hard kind of go for them. And it you know in those moments where it's kind of unguarded, it shows the the reality of these guys who as you say you know by rights they were really out there very early on and for whatever reason you know lots of reasons they don't get all the uh, attention they may deserve or the credit they may deserve may you know you know having material and having the managerial guidance to to have that longer career 
goes a long way and it opens the film opens with them kind of up in canada kind of doing the jobs that they were doing and oh someone happens upon them you know and and takes them back on the road or gets them back in the game and what they had the album 13 i think after that and uh you know it, it was it was a it, it was a good maybe in the it's it's when you see movies like that you have to kind of watch those unintentional moments i think where it's kind of um not the this is the moment that you need to pay attention to but those kind of very subtle quick mo moments where it's like hey this is really the reality of being on the road um so it was there were some good stark moments in that movie i think um yeah yeah like like missing the train and yeah, then missing exactly. the train again. And then like the manager, like they're saying like, I don't understand like how we could have missed the train. And, you know, then, you know, it comes to another point where like, they're not getting paid and there's somebody else just saying like, you guys don't have a very good manager. You just don't have a very good manager. And I think that was just kind of like a gut punchy sort of moment where it's like, okay, you, you can love Anvil and you can love their music, but you know, there's something just about the, the business and uh, you know, especially, especially like these lovable, they are lovable characters. And, and, and again, it, it won't be racist to say something about their, you know, they're just, they're just Canadian in the way that they're just kind of like, ah, oh, shucks. That's how it goes. You know, they, they're not bitter. They're not angry. They don't resort to like, you know, shooting heroin in their eyes just like i'm just gonna like work these work these jobs but i love the fans i love the people who love our music yeah. and it, it again it, it, it's very endearing and i think you know that's that's you know we, we had this other article that we're looking at the, the sort of the, the sentimentality of uh, of certain heavy metal uh biopics or, or or documentaries and this one has it in spades. It's 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 about the the brotherhood of the of the two guys, Ludlow and Reiner. Right, right. Well, I mean, we're at that kind of cultural moment, you know, where you, you know, are you, are you are you into the metal for the debauchery and you know the whole scene behind the scene, or is it really just you know drop the needle on the record? Or are you into this this band and these guys and what they do? You know, I. I, I just read a couple of bios. I read uh, not not filmic, but just the bios. Sebastian Bach. There he goes. Uh, yeah. Sebastian Bach's bio and Kerry uh, Brownstein's bio from Slater Kinney. Totally not metal, but great guitar work. Uh, her bio was really kind of stark and like life on the road is not a great deal and talking about her illnesses and whatever you know a lot mm -hmm. of stuff which is is not a filmic thing. So. You know, and, and and Anvil kind of strikes me as that same way. It's like these are two guys who just love to play. They'll play anywhere for anyone. They play – their music happens to be pretty incredible, you know. Mm -hmm. you, know you know, it's just – and, you know, that moment of this, this guy coming in and retelling the story, you know, it kind of helps promote himself, but it promotes the band and gets them back out too, which is great. <laughs> I don't, you know, I haven't, and even has anyone checked in on them? I mean, are they doing any tours now or? Yeah, um, that's, that's, so that's the larger question. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but it was, again, as, as a film goes, it, it, it hit all those points that you, you want it to be real. You'd want it to like, 
you know, have the have the arc where it's like, hey, they're not going to like be, you know, as uh, as Lips was like, mm-hmm. you know, preparing frozen food for like school lunches and stuff. Uh, He's going to be. They went to walk in. They were there. They were performing live, and people. They were like reintroduced to a new generation of uh, of metal fans. Yeah. And then, yeah, then they went to some like really, really divey clubs throughout Eastern Europe, which yeah. seemed like, I don't know, like a, a bad idea to begin with. But I'm glad they caught it on film because yeah. it seems yeah. like they, they have a pattern of making bad decisions. <laughs> well, they, they, uh, they put out an album last year called Pounding the Pavement, and there's one this year upcoming called Give It Up. Yeah. So, they, uh, again, they have no problem like producing songs and putting out records. Uh, I, I remember when I was doing some research on them, though, um, one of the things that, like, that really got them snatched up in a bear net was. Uh, um, the, the guy who was the manager for Aerosmith had, uh, had seduced them over to his record label mm. and basically like tied them up for like three years so that they could not release any new record. I think between like 83 and 86, they were just like, you know, mm. we're thinking like this is like the heyday of metal. So if you want to look for like why uh, Anvil kind of like fell off the map, it was because they had fallen off the map they they'd been tied up and and not actually able to like record or release any songs because this guy had basically bought up their rights what is a bear net i mean like a bear trap or a bear, a bear would, okay. any, any sort of like contraption that you would use to like snatch up a bear okay well i just don't understand bear net. i'm like i'm not like a net on a bear but Oh, if it's if it's like made of like really strong stuff, yeah, you can like, you can really oh, there's always an answer, isn't there? You can snatch them up. <laughs> Fair net. Fair net. All right. Fair what else? I mean, I, I think before we move off of a uh, talking metal documentaries, we should talk about Sam Dunn uh, before we wrap that up because that guy's made some good some good metal movies. Uh, he directed. For sure. He directed Metal. He directed uh, Iron Maiden's Flight 66. He directed Rush's Beyond the Lighted Stage uh, and a series for VH1 called Metal Evolution, which is is really great. Um, uh, he did a great Alice Cooper movie, too. The guy, uh, uh, he definitely loves metal and, and, uh, and it shows in his movies. Yeah, we, we again we, we love Sam and we love his work. Oh, and, that, and we knew um, we knew uh, him through uh, Felipe because Felipe had recorded yeah, yeah. The, the 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 thrash metal episode for Metal Evolution. Um, so and, and again, it's it, it's it's testament to the fact that you know uh, metal metal culture is definitely evolved to the point where you've got like some serious individuals who are who are trying to like analyze this study it represent it to to folks of a new generation and put it all into different uh into different forms and i I, the sam dunn films i saw was like yet beyond the gilded cage or gilded stage uh the rush film was like just it was superb it was like it was everything you would want to know about like the history of rush you know again another canadian band 
um, and 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 how you know they they kind of like rose out of nothing um, and uh, and acquired the sort of like enormous fan following that they did. Um, yeah, Sam Dunn is like definitely somebody who, if you haven't seen any of his films, uh, you definitely want to check out. Yeah, Sam's also got uh, he's got Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix right now as well, which is uh, okay. it, it's great. I mean, it's it's uh, the same format essentially as uh, Heavy Metal Evolution, just in the hip hop world, and it's really good. Yeah, I don't know. Is anybody else seen, like the the Metal Evolution series? Ever yeah, saw it. it was a good one. It was a good one. It was interesting. I mean, he went way, way back, kind of right. right? This is the one he goes back to Rocket eighty eight and Sun Studios and all. Right? Yeah, it, he he starts with like pre metal as the first episode. I mean, it, it gets a little. That's the thing. It's like, where's the cutoff? You know, uh, there's a label, a record label called what, Riding Easy that is get like six or eight compilations of like this blue cheer era post garage acid proto metal kind of stuff it's like is that the point you know he he really went back to you know um mm. it, was, it was a good good series i think a lot of times that comes to an in individual perception of where the cutoff is right for sure that, i mean that goes back to, to jeff's you know note earlier of some people don't even consider our metal metal anymore right um right Mm -hmm. well, 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 again, it's like I don't think uh, Sam Dunn includes uh, Five Finger Death Punch in his uh, in his documentary. Um, is that is that like a great oversight? We get the idea. We get the idea that if, if there were like a a thirteenth or a fourteenth episode, it'd be like, okay, yeah, there's yeah, there there is a, a second metal generation, and and again. This is what I'm kind of fascinated in exploring too. Is like just the sort of thing that Jeff was talking about. How we have these uh, these tendencies to like want to draw these lines of demarcation to say like this is metal, this is not metal. Metal stopped at like 1990, and everything before that, yes. Everything after that turns into grindcore. It turns into deathcore. It turns into something else, or it turns into grunge, which is. For a lot of people, just just straight up antithetical to metal, which for me was just just not the case. But for some people, the purists, as they would term themselves, would say like, "Yeah, Soundgarden is not metal." So, you know, turn that off, please. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, any any genre of mu music can only be what it is today. You know what I mean? You get these these historians, these theorists, and say, well. Jazz went through all of these iterations, but the fact of the matter is when Poison hit the scene, we weren't arguing whether or not what was metal and what wasn't metal. We were saying, what is metal becoming? Is this what metal is now? We weren't mm -hmm. like we weren't drawing those lines back in the 80s. We were just saying, where is this train going? Where is this road taking us? And it was all different. And when, you know, when bands started hitting hitting the scene, it was just it was evolution. But it was is it's now, and the same thing is happening. You know, it's like yeah, you go back and you say, well, if this, if you know, if Gojira is metal, then Black Sabbath was never metal. Well, but that's yeah. that that doesn't make sense. Because but no, I, 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 I would I would say, David, though, the, the people were definitely drawing lines back in the eighties. You go back and you list 
just just read like the circus magazine letters you know the people would just you know you know write in about like oh yeah poison poison's not real metal if you want real metal you listen to megadeth and metallica and it's like oh you can't listen to both i i mean i I think it was a little more accepting back then because i mean i and us included i had no problem seeing poison on a tuesday and anthrax on a thursday like uh it's all under the same umbrella and it may be a bit more divided now people are more in their bubble about everything uh and music just extends to that yeah I don't know. I, and, I, I thought you know what back then. Also, I think it was. I think it was the media pipeline, sort of um, made that happen for us. If you watched Headbangers yeah. Ball, you yeah. would have a David Lee Roth video in Headbangers Ball, and the very next video could be Accept, or it could be Halloween or whatever. And now, Apple if you Pura. if you want to cool. see, you know, if you want to see a Mastodon video. You go onto YouTube and you just watch the Mastodon video. You don't watch something by the Struts. You don't watch something by whomever. Uh, You know, I and I think I think having having less opportunity just to see our type of music back then made us open to other types of music just because it was there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that that that's a good point. It's like you know, uh, Hit Parader and Circus Magazine. They they mashed them all together and made it seem like okay, Rush, Van Halen, Metallica—they're all hard rock. They're all heavy metal. They're all what you want, and you could, you know, you could definitely not read certain articles if you didn't want to. But the the magazine was as it as it had in the seventies. It it would mush together Alice Cooper, Cheap Trick, uh, Van Halen again. And, yeah, hard, uh, hard, 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 hard. yeah, you know, it's because yeah. it's also, because it also, you know that that bit of media allowed you to see connections you didn't know existed, right? So Joe Satriani hits the scene, and they say, "Well, who the hell is Joe Satriani?" And you say, "Well, he was Steve Vai and Kirk Hammett's guitar teacher." Hmm. And you go, "Huh, okay." And then you listen to him, and you're like, "He's not as good as those other guys," <laughs> you know. He's not as interesting. <laughs> You know, yeah. as, as these other players or, or whatever, because they're in bands with lyrics and I can pay attention and all his stuff is instrumental and that's new for me. Um, but, you know, I think even in the movie, you, you go to you, you're looking at um, the dirt, you know, and there's Slash at the same party as these guys, mm-hmm. you know, and back in the 80s, if you were into GNR, you probably weren't into Motley Crue. Well, I was. You totally were, either. though. You totally were. Not me, man. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. All right. Okay. And um, so. David Timoney on location in Ireland. So that wraps up another episode of Middle Age Metalheads. Hope you had a good time with us talking the dirt and talking appetite for destruction and what's metal and what's not metal for Jeff and Carrie and Mike and David and me. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.